Lord, we ask that you would come in amongst us here and we pray that we would give you glory in what we do. Lord, help us to be thankful for all the blessings in our lives. Though they be little or though they be big, we know that you are behind them all. So we thank you for that. Help us to know the promises that you have someday when the mists roll away and we will see that beautiful, splendorous place. and We will be with those whom we love and be around your throne. We will be together. We are thankful for that. Help us, guide us, be with us, we pray. Thank you for all you've done in your name. Amen. So, I've been a singer much of my life, whether I sang to myself or I sang out in front of people. I've always liked to sing things, and we've always sang as a family. We sing around a campfire. We did that the other night several different times in the last month or so. And when we went on a car ride in our family, we sang too. And you know they say uh, music calms the savage beast, right? That's a good time to sing when you're in the car. Uh, it might calm down a few other things that could be said or done amongst uh, brothers and sisters as you travel for hours in a car. We've always had songs in our lives And I think it's come from a long, long time in our family. It's always personally music has touched me, to me in a way that nothing else can. When you get that perfect right chord and you put that and pair that with just the right thoughtful lyrics, you can evoke emotion and thoughts and things in a way that nothing else can. You can bring back memories. You can help understand things. You can help speak in a way that just plain words sometimes can't put down, can't get across. Songs often take me back to a special place in my mind, a special event in my life. makes my memories vivid. Those are good things. We had those things. And, and I think it comes down from generations in my family... My great-great-grandfather, and I may not have that exactly right, but he was a couple generations back. He was a stagecoach driver, and they said he wore a big buffalo skin coat. And if you're a stagecoach driver in those days, it was a cold winter in Connecticut to drive a stagecoach. They said he had a great big mustache, and the icicles hung off his mustache because he sang as he was driving a stagecoach. He was known to have a baritone voice. My great-grandfather, a couple generations down, was also known to sing as he hammered in his blacksmith shop. He had a baritone voice, and he said he, uh, people said they remember him singing, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. He sang that often, and that was one of his famous songs as he banged away on his anvil. It comes to me honestly, my, my grandfather and, uh, and his mother used to sing. Of course, they were a little bit crazier, so that's where I get a little of that sometimes. And my grandfather always sang the same phrase of the song again and again and again and again the whole day. And sometimes my wife tells me, can't you sing another song? 
Because <laughs> I think I just do it naturally. I don't think about it. I sing the same phrase over something that strikes me again and again. And uh, that's what I do. I don't have to think about it. Just sort of comes out. Songs are important to us on, in our lives, I think. And it's no wonder, years ago when I started fixing appliances, they used to call me the singing service man, because I would sing as I fix a refrigerator, or sing as I worked on a greasy old fryer, because that gets me out of the places that I'm not thinking about the fryer. I don't want to think about the fryer. I want to think about something else, something bigger, something better. Well, today, we're going to look at a song in the book of Psalms. We're looking at a song that King David had written in Psalm number 92. Now here's what he did. I think this psalm started out with a bad week for King David. He had a rough week and he had seen some injustice that week. Something was wrong. People had mistreated him that week. We don't know whether it was King Saul or a bunch of other people. There were things that people had done and said to him that really got him down. Did you ever feel that way? Feel the way that somebody just had to say something to you? Somebody ruined your day? You got frustrated? You watched as the people out there that we're not doing the right thing, keep prospering. They seem like they keep doing better and better and better, and you're struggling to hang on and just get by. That's the way David felt. He watched his enemies. He watched the people around him prospering. And he felt that week, I think, like maybe this just isn't right. Maybe this just isn't the way it's supposed to be. I thought if I followed God, things would pay off. His frustration was high and he was feeling low. All those enemies caused him to hurt. And then I think what happened as he was in the midst of his struggles, he went to church and he heard something and he remembered A song struck a chord inside of him. He started to hear the music and listen to the words about how God had something to say to him. About how God cared about his life. And he starts out this psalm in a very interesting way. You would think after a bad week you'd start out on a low note. But instead, he starts out on a high note. As we go to Psalm number 92, let's read Psalm 92, starting at verse number 1. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery upon the harp, with a solemn sound. So here he is, he goes to church, and he starts to sing, and he starts to hear these, th- these songs, and he realizes 
He's got to get a different perspective on what's really going on. He realizes as he's singing to the Lord that God is doing something in his life. And music is a stress reliever for him. He's had a stressful and hard week. You've had those before. I know I have. Times when you just don't think that everything is right in the world. You feel agitated. And David comes and he starts to hear this song at church. And he realizes that God is on the throne. Things begin to set right in his heart again. And he gets to see what it is really. It's not enough to seek God once a week. He says, you know what? I hear this song and it puts me to something to say, I have to do this every morning and every night. Sing to myself in the shower. I do that. Now David didn't take a shower necessarily. But David says, when you get up in the morning, think about God. Let one of those songs permeate who you are. Think about amazing grace. All right? Think about something that God has done, some song that really strikes your heart. Let it permeate you and begin your day, your day in a different way. And then when you go to bed, you ever have trouble sleeping? Sometimes people have trouble sleeping. If you set your heart right with God, God is able to give you a peace that puts you right down, that calms you down. When your heart is right with God and you can sing in your mind all the other things from the day, the things that so stressed you and so held you back and so you struggled with, God brings a peace to them all. He doesn't change the situation always. He brings you to a place where you trust that he can walk you through the situation. So David says, sing every day, every morning, every night. He says, play instruments with it. Now, if any of you have a harp and you'd like to play in the morning, that's great. You do that. I don't have a harp, but I might sing in my truck on the way to work. I might sing in the shower. I might sing as I'm making a cup of coffee or something. As I think about God, it puts me into a better place. And the days I don't do that are the days where I might not start out such a good day. might not end up such a good day. If I forget God, then my day is not what it could be. Verse number 4 for thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. You see, David thought no one was working for him. That's what he felt like during the week. He felt that until he got to church, and still he started to see that God was still doing things. In his situation, now... He realized the Lord was working in a mighty way. He had a mighty plan. And he's doing something not only mighty, he says, but very deep. God's thoughts towards us are not shallow. He knows the inner thoughts that you think. He knows your anxieties. He knows your loneliness. 
He knows the thoughts that drag you away each day. And he thinks very deeply about those things in you. He is longing for you just to reach out your hand and say, I'll, I'll take it, God. I need you in this. I need you to help me. And God's already thought of a whole plan for you and those things that you stress over. God has those deep thoughts and He says, finally, you've reached out to me. Finally, here it is. This is what I wanted for you. This is what I had for you. God is moving whether you feel Him or not. God is doing things and working in ways and we will only see the beginnings of them if we allow Him into our life. If we allow ourselves to start to see what He's doing. Open up our hearts. Verse number 6. A brutish man knoweth not, neither do the fool understand this. Bible says a brutish man. That's not a word we use very often any day anymore. A person with dull understanding, you might say. Someone might even say stupid. That works too, okay? Someone who doesn't think God is doing things at all times and has known the situations and the circumstances of your life from before you were ever born. He says, is, is brutish. They're dull of understanding. They lack understanding. God knows what's in your heart and in your life. He knows the situations. He knows your needs. Right now, He is waiting. Right now. But this is where David begins to go back and tell you about his week. He has realized that if he gets his head right and his heart right and his spirit right with God, that he can walk through any tough thing. But he wants to tell you what he was thinking. Verse number 7, the wick, When the wicked spring as grass, and when all the workers of iniquities do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. So we see that David was watching people around him do the wrong thing. And David loved the Lord dearly. And David had a lot of trials in his life. But he watched as others did so well that didn't follow God. He says, and it looks like they sprang up like grass. You know those weeds? You, you do a, put a garden out there, right? And you till the soil all up nice. We do this in our garden. And we plant those nice plants that we want to grow. And somewhere magically in the night, someone comes and plants these full big weeds. I don't know what happens. They just all of a sudden show up one day. I don't know. <laughs> they, they're taller than the tomato plants sometimes. Things seem to spring up overnight. And he says, that's what they're like. Those people out there that are in control and want nothing to do with God, they spring up overnight and it seems like they're doing so well. But he says there's an end to them. This is what I learned. He says there's an end to that. They will have an end. 
As we go on with verse number 8, But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. And though that little grass springs up and looks like it's doing so great, he says, they come to an end because God is higher than all of them. God is higher than those people that give you trouble in your life. God is higher than those who are in control and think that they have all the power. God is bigger than all of them. He is in control, and that's what David begins to see from this, putting these songs into his head, from singing. Verse number 9, For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish, and all the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. Those who choose not to follow God's way will come to an end. They will perish. They will be scattered. Though it looks like they're doing so great, they will be gone. Their power will be taken away and wiped away in one quick, simple swath of God's hand. Their season will come to an end. So it's good to know that God's in control, right? That's a good thing. And and David says, great, I know that God's in control. But what about me and my personal life? Those things that happened in my personal life. Was he there when that person said that to me? When that person did something to me, was he there? I thought he was protecting me. Verse number 10. But but my horn shall exult like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eyes shall also see my desire on mine enemies, and mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. So in this verse, they talk about a unicorn, which means a single horn. Okay? This is not the fancy horse flying around, but it is an animal with a great and mighty set of horns, a single set, kind of like a, uh, a big bull of some sort or a goat of some sort with that single set of horns. And as you look at a big animal, I just spent some time in Yellowstone Park just a while back, and we happened to be wandering around Yellowstone Park looking for the great American bison. If you've ever seen them or have ever been to Yellowstone Park, you'll see that there are bison 10 or 20 here and 20 or 30 there and there's 40 or 50 there and there's two or three here. That's normally the way that Yellowstone Park looks like. Bison everywhere. Every little field, every little hill, there's a few of them everywhere. Well, we went and we drove around 100, 200 miles and found not a single bison. like... What is going on? We came here to see the bison. Where are they? So finally, my wife asked one of the rangers, and he said, Oh, you want to see bison? Well, let me tell you. Go up to Lamar Valley, which of course is the other corner of the park, a hundred miles away. But, he said, the bison are breeding, and they're in rut right now. They're all up there. And so we went. And we drove. And let me tell you, if you want to get close to a bison in your car, you go the week of rut. (laughs) We never set foot out of our car because you didn't have to. They were all over the roads. They were running. They were rolling in the dirt. And they were going after each other. 
tossing their heads. Now, if you look at a bison as he stands at your head level, okay, the, his back stands at your head level, and he's around 2,000 pounds or so, he's got a great big heavy neck, and attached to that great big heavy powerful neck are these nice horns that he uses. Let me tell you, if there's any one thing you don't want to do is get near the horns of a bison. He can take you out in one swing. I was watching as two male buffalo got together. Two male bison were a little bit angry over one particular cow they both wanted. And they both went after each other and you saw their heads swinging at each other. And they'd come off. And the one would go and one would walk away a little and then he'd come back and try again. One swipe of that head with a horn would not only take me out, but as he walked next to the road, next to my car, I thought, oh, please don't swipe it. It's a rental car. <laughs> please don't destroy this thing. And so the bison are there. He was probably three foot from my car. To roll down the window and I thought to myself, don't look him in the eye. I don't want his attention that much. I want to get a picture of him and I want him to move on. They were all around the cars. That is when power comes from a set of horns. And that is what David is talking about. He said, my horn, like the horn of a unicorn, like that great powerful horn that is used. He says, that's what I'm like when other people look at me, when God is in my life. Great and powerful, not because I'm great and powerful, but because my God is great and powerful. And they look and they say, what is going on with that guy? Sometimes they say, he's a weirdo. That's okay. Or sometimes they just say, wow, doesn't matter, no matter what happens to him, he just keeps going. He's got something unique about him, and I don't want to mess with him. Something happens with him. When God is on your side, you have to realize that he gives you strength in ways that other people don't understand. The strength might come from patience. It might come from kindness. It might come from love. But it's in a strong way that those who do not have God do not understand at all. It baffles them. And so you see that people that know God have a strong, strong presence around other people. Verse number 12. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon, that those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. So on our same trip that we took out there, we took a ride down to Northern California and we saw the great redwoods in Northern California. And if you've never seen the redwoods in California, then you've never seen a tree. <laughs> we have some mighty big oaks around here. And we have some nice big maple trees around here. 
and they might be five and six feet in diameter, maybe seven or eight feet if you get a great big cottonwood that's been growing for years, but they're nothing compared to the redwoods. Some of the redwoods are 20 or 25 feet in diameter. Yes, we drove our car through one of them. <laughs> and no, we didn't scratch it. We had to fold the mirrors in, but we didn't scratch it. Some of these trees are 250 feet or 350 feet high. That's hard to even get a perspective of what that is. Three times higher than the steeple is a tree. So we climbed up in these things and there was a boardwalk that you climb up a bunch of stairs to get to and there was a deck wrapped around several of these trees and then suspension bridges that walked between the decks. And we went up probably 50 feet, 60 feet upstairs and we climbed up. And as we walked out and walked across the suspension bridges, we went higher and higher and higher. Pretty soon we were 100 feet high on this suspension bridge and you look up and it's like you're still at the base of the tree. There's still 200 feet of tree above you. It's an incredible thing. And these trees are, some of them, 600 years old, 700 years old. Some of the biggest ones are two and 3,000 years old. They've been around forever. They'll be around a lot longer than I'm around. They're certainly stately, and it's hard to explain them. But David says this about the people of God. He says, if you follow the Lord, you're not like a little springing bit of grass, like David's enemies. He says, you become a tall and a stately tree, a big tree. Now, he had the trees of the cedars of Lebanon, and they were great big trees, somewhat like the redwoods. Huge, big trees that grew for centuries. He said, you become like that. You become like the palm tree full of fruit. Your life becomes something deeper. You will flourish and you will keep growing even though you are amidst tough and struggling times. Those trees were growing back when our country started. Those trees were growing, some of them, back when Jesus walked on the face of this earth. That long ago, those trees were growing. He said, you will flourish and you will see, if you are planted in the house of God, that you will be something great, something better than you could ever be on your own. God will grow you into something amazing, something stately like a great big tree. And you will stand amidst the times and the ages. And you will watch the grass grow up and die. And grow up and die. You don't have to worry about those other people making your life stressful. You've got something much bigger to hold on to in this life. So what purpose will you serve? Well, someday, he says, you show that the Lord is upright. One of those trees stands up as a testament of time. And you, as a, as a believer in God, stand up as a testament to who God is. Not to yourself, 
Not a testament to the great power of me, but to the great power of God. You stand tall and strong and upright. During tough times you stand. During winds and rains and storms. When the place is covered with mists and darkness. And at last, in time to come, as a follower of Christ, someday we will see as all of the mists roll away from this time, as all the darkness and the shadows come, someday they will go and we will see a great and mighty forest of those who have known God as a testament that God was at work in every day of our lives. We will be amongst that forest. We can be the trees if we know God, if we trust Him, just to say the mighty King has always been in control whether you can see it or not. He's always been there. And we will sing a chorus as a tree saying, To God be the glory, great things He hath done. Let us be one of those trees standing forever. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for the great mighty works you have done. Help us to give you the glory. Help us to trust you, to know that no matter what's happening in our lives, you are in control. You are in charge. You are thinking deep thoughts towards us. We thank you for those things and those promises. Help us to know and remember the promises that you have given to us during all times of our life. We thank you for what you've given to us, each of those things. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together another one. It's on the back of your bulletin. Stand together with us as we sing To God Be the Glory. Father, we are gathered here because of the great things that God has done. And we bow before you as a great king. We know that your actions have touched our lives and changed who we are. 
We are eternally grateful for that. So we thank you for these words this morning and for the inspiration that comes from thinking and singing and believing in God. Bless these people now and be particularly good to them because they have been here on this day. We ask your blessing to continue. We hold out our hands and humbly ask for more of the good things that come from God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.